0: Hello and happy Friday. The Pittsburgh Penguins are set to play the New York Rangers for the first time uh, very shortly. It's weird that you know we're 50 plus games into the season and the, the Penguins have not played the Rangers, but you know th- these meetings are massive just because this is the first of four. Penguins are right up there with them for the top three in the Metropolitan Division. Um, this is going to be quite the treat. I have a special guest coming up right after this drop. He's been on the podcast numerous times and, of course, is a big Rangers supporter. So look for that coming up right after this. You're locked on Penguins. Your daily podcast on the Pittsburgh Penguins. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I am your host, Hunter Hodes. Remember to follow me on Twitter at Hunter Hodes. Also, follow the show's Twitter at l underscore penguins. And joining me right now, of course, is Nick Zararis. He does the Upper Bowl GM podcast. Diehard Rangers supporter, of course, he's been on the podcast numerous times but finally nick the penguins and the rangers will get together um because it's been over 50 games and somehow they have not played yet and i think these promise to be some pretty good games of course as the playoff push is um in full swing right now in terms of seating i think the eight teams are basically locked up but you know we'll get all into that in this episode but nick uh, how are you doing today sir uh
1: I- no complaints. Uh, there's hockey. I stayed up way too late last night watching the women's game, so my sleep schedule is kind of a little bit jacked up, but we'll get that rectified by tomorrow. Rangers play tonight. It's it's interesting. Interesting times to be alive. So, what's up with you, my dude? How are we doing?
0: Yeah, I mean that that the women's game was it, it was fun, you know, it just it stunk that they just they got off to that poor start and then they just yeah. they couldn't come back from that 3-nothing deficit. You know, we were talking during it obviously, but um, you know, hopefully next time I think they'll maybe make some better decisions um, when it comes yeah. to the roster and the coaching staff and stuff. But, you know, Nick, obviously this is this is a, the first one out of four for the Penguins and the Rangers. Um, you know, on, on my podcast at least, you know, I've, I've told the listeners, um, you know, I think the Rangers, they, they're carried by, I think, the t- their power play, Shostakin plays like Henrik Lundqvist every night, and you know that just that's not good because I thought the Rangers uh, goaltending amazing days would be over when he would retire, but it seems like no, he's just Henrik Lundqvist had a kid and he's just basically a clone of him. Um, would you say that's basically been the bread and butter for New York this season because you know? I, I look at, you know, just the, the expected goals and stuff on Money Puck. You know, 45% of the expected goals this season, only 50% of the actual goals. They're only plus one with the goal differential. They're 44% Corsi for shot attempts. Um, it's definitely weird how their underlying numbers can be so bad, but yet they're continuing to win games and be at the top of the
1: Metropolitan Division. So it's very very complicated i've spent the better part of the first 50 games or so of the season trying to figure out how they're winning and going through and i've been spitballing with an idea a few other people i know have been working on something similar one of my friends who does statistical models has been working on it and yes the rangers do not create enough scoring chances and the ones they do create don't have a ton of value but the thing the rangers have going for them if you want to go just purely from an underlying statistics perspective the scoring chances they do create those few they are dead last in coursey. they're 44.47 32 out of 32 teams that's not good yeah. but those scoring chances they create are in the top five in terms of quality of scoring chance so of the individual scoring chances they those are the fourth most valuable of any team in the league. So they're extremely selective in the chances they take. So they will have a lot of sustained zone time without ever registering a scoring opportunity just because of the way they're set up. Yes, some of that is that they just don't have enough finishing talent, especially in the bottom six where those two lines will be out there and they'll just hem the puck in the offensive zone. And if it's in there, they probably won't get a shot on that. And The top six plays a little bit different where those guys are in control of the puck a little bit more, a little bit less cycling, a little bit more tape to tape kind of stuff. But yes, the underlying numbers are very bad. In a nutshell, they are propped up by their goaltending, having one of the three best defensemen in the league and the power play. That's it. If any of those three prongs fall off, they're cooked. The second and third D pairs have not been very good this year, Truba and Ke'Andre Miller. And then the third pair has been rotating all year. They, they did the two rookies on um, Tuesday night, which worked out pretty well for them with Zach Jones and Braden Schneider against the Bruins. But they're still trying to iron out the defense. The offense is very reliant on the power play. And Shurrkin's great. But it's very flimsy. I, I can understand why there is so much skepticism about the Rangers out there, including me. I don't think the way they play – is a recipe for success long term it works night to night because you have enough high-end players that they can influence the game but in a long-range sample you're going to have problems which they do we're 45 46 games in and they're middle of the pack or worse in pretty much every underlying statistic
0: yeah i think you know and that's i think that's the thing that scares you know me and i think so other people about the rangers is you know can't can't is this good enough to go into the playoffs and beat a team like Carolina at best out of seven or Pittsburgh who of course is just red hot right now? I mean, I think they could take down Washington because I don't think Washington is any good this year. Um, their underlying numbers are also kind of that not that bad, but not that good. Excuse me, but you know, one of those players, especially on the power play, Nick. I wanted to get your thoughts on. Uh, Chris Kreider. I mean, I don't know where this came from. Um, Basically, being a Rocket Richard candidate this year, he may actually very well win it. Um, He was signed to that mega extension just about a year or two ago, I believe, makes a lot of money. Didn't look like it was going to be a good signing at the time. And, you know, there was a lot of trade rumors surrounding him as well. But, you know, he's put some of that to rest this year um, and is looking like a completely different player. Um, What have you noticed that, you know, that's just made him that just that much of a deadly threat as Panarin and Zibanejad.
1: They've tweaked what they're doing on the power play. That's where a bulk of Kreider's production comes from. For the last for under David Quinn, the Rangers power play was high scoring attempt, get the rebound, go to the bumper, across for the one timer to Zibanejad or Panarin at the left circle. That was the set what they were looking to do every single time. Now they've kind of incorporated a bit more of a high a straight high low game where it'll go out to Fox at the point and Fox will try and bait someone to come towards him and then they can get the puck down low and there then it's a numbers advantage where they're playing 4 on 3 as opposed to 5 on 4 and you have more room to operate when it's 4 on 3. It's a it's a nice wrinkle they've added. It does get a little frustrating because like at 5 on 5 they will just not shoot sometimes if the opportunity's not there so you're not really getting the full pressure you could get on the power play, but they tweak the power play a little bit. He's playing with more confidence, which helps uh, just flat out. It helps when you're playing with confidence. He's always been this good. That's largely why Ranger fans have been so frustrated with him for most of his career is the talent's been there. This is one of probably the 10 fastest skaters in the league in a 6'2", 215, 220 frame. And there have been stretches in his career where he just he's just not noticeable for whatever reason, in terms of his motor and motivations, whatever. But it seems like he's he's put it together. Sure, this is is a crazy statistical outlier year. He's never going to shoot in the low, uh, excuse me, the high teens probably ever again for the rest of his career. But you'll take it. In a year like right now where there's not a lot of offense coming from other places, you will take it. They noticed something on the power play they could work with, and that's the big thing. They changed the power play, and it's enabled him to play at a level he hasn't before. Yeah, you know, and I and I was looking at his shooting percentage uh, this
0: year, Nick. This is definitely, I would say, an outlier twenty two point one percent, the highest before that was actually last year um, at nineteen point six. So he was a career fourteen point seven percent shooter coming into the season. Um, It's just it kind of reminds me of just a higher Kapanen from last year because Kapanen had a very high shooting percentage last year. And then this year um, it it, it cratered and he's just looking like a player that is, he might might, honestly might get dealt um, by the deadline, but no, he's obviously he's going to be really dangerous. We all know how great Panarin is. Um, Zabenejad is having another great year and, you know, Adam Fox, man, it's, it's probably him and Kale McCarr right now as my top two defensemen in hockey. I know Victor Hedman is right there too. He's, even though he's a bit older, um, you know, Fox is probably going to win another few Norrises, if not more. Um, and you know what a treat he is to watch, um, you know, when you guys badly needed a franchise defenseman after McDonough left, um, you know, um, some some people I've seen this thrown around on hockey Twitter before. You know, they I think they got a little lucky that he was that the Rangers were yeah. one of the only teams that he wanted to go to. And when that yeah. happens, hey, you take it. But um, he is incredible, just in both zones. Underlying numbers are fantastic, and um, obviously the Penguins are going to have to be on high alert when he was on the ice. He was great last year, but this year um, I
1: think he's taken it to another level. It's definitely uh, the way they've used him on the power play, especially he's able to influence the game a little bit more. He's the thing to watch with Fox is the subtle things, just the body positioning, always knowing where the puck needs to go. He rarely makes a mistake. And it's interesting because he's not that big. He's not that fast. He's just the smartest guy on the ice most nights, and that's what he uses. He outthinks everybody, and there are outliers like that that can do that. You see that more traditionally in football, where you'll have a quarterback who's not any amazing traits, but really smart and able to see things before they happen. That's what Fox does. It's the slight body feint, the slight leg kicks, all the little things that go into making him great. And yeah, they've given him a partner that complements him well enough in Lingren. I don't think Lindgren is as good as Ranger fans like to think he is. But playing with Fox, he's the perfect complement. And it's very comfortable having that. They need to sort out the rest of the defense. But in a playoff series, I imagine Fox will be pushing that 28, 29 minutes a night mark because he plays power play, kill, and five on five. He's going to have a lot of minutes. And he's their best player. I, I feel confident in saying he's better than Panera and he's better than Zibinijad. He's their best player. Before we
0: get back to our crossover with Nick Zeraris of the Upper Bowl GM podcast, we do have to touch on Bill Barr. This is the time of year that I've pretty much given up on all of my New Year's resolutions, but not this year. I am sticking to my resolution to eat right, thanks to Bill Bard almost feels like it's not really a resolution because I actually enjoy eating them. Have you tried the puffs? If you haven't, you are missing out on one of Bill Bar's best tasting bars. Puffs are a fan favorite with some incredible flavors: yummy, cinnamon, churro, coconut marshmallow, banana cream pie. They're all so good. All Bill Bars are covered in 100% real chocolate. Yes, they're one. it's 100% real chocolate. You can go to built.com and scroll down the macros chart. You'll be blown away by what you see. They're high protein, low calorie, high fiber, and low carb. Most built bars contain 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 grams of net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. Now, compare that to a candy bar, which usually has around 240 calories, 30 grams of sugar, and dozens of net carbs. You know, There's many great flavors with mint brownie, coconut, coconut almond, new for this month, white chocolate cookies and cream. You can go to built.com, use prone code LOCKED15, and get 15% off your order. That is promo code Lock15 for 15% off at built.com. Wow. Oh, I, I, I honestly did not expect you to say that, but you know, not with how he won the Norris last year, I know Panarin was also a Hart trophy finalist. I guess I'm not, you know, it's not it's not a hot take or or anything like that. He he is that good, and you know, he's just he's going to be paid like it, I would say, for a long time. Um, you know, Nick, I touched on it earlier as well. Um, Shostorkin this year. I know Tristan Jari has been awesome. Don't get me wrong. He probably should be a Vezina finalist, at least in my opinion, though uh, he's not going to win it, I think, and rightfully so. Um, I said it early on in this uh, episode. You have a Henrik Lundqvist clone in net um, looking at Money Puck this morning. Uh, he has 26.6 goals saved above expected. Um, just a ridiculous uh, number, well above uh, Frederick Anderson. Um, He has a 938 save percentage, a 2.05 goals against average. His expected goals against average is 2.97. So he is outplaying that um, by a whole lot. What do you think is the main difference um, from him last year compared to this year? Because I knew he was going to be good. um, And I knew that he was probably going to drive a whole bunch of teams in this division crazy for a while. I just didn't know he was going to be this freaking good and act like a prime Henrik Lundqvist.
1: So, I would say being able to play consistently that rookie season, he was in that car accident. So he missed a lot of time. They go into the playoff series in the bubble. He tweaks his hip during practice. They come out last year, expecting him to be the full-time starter tweaks his groin, misses a couple of weeks. It's just been being able to stay healthy, be in the lineup consistently and get into a rhythm. He's one of those guys who needs to play four or five straight games to get into a good rhythm, to feel confident and, now you can tell he he understands how good he is, and they lean on him with that. He's actually good at playing the puck, which is something I've never known. I love Henrik Lundqvist to death. That's the only fault in his game. He was never good at playing the puck, and that matters when you're very bad at breakouts like the Rangers are, having a goalie who can enable the breakout to start sooner. But being able to play consistently, staying healthy, it it sounds very simple, but... He's needed it because the results aren't better. If you look at the underlying numbers, they're playing worse than they did last year. And he's playing better than he did anyway, playing better than he did last year. So it just speaks to how important it is to be healthy at that position, especially when you're dealing with hip and groin, because you got it. If you, those aren't right, you're not going to be able to play goalie well. You're just not.
0: Yeah, no, I completely agree. And, you know, God forbid he somehow gets hurt or something. Same with Tristan, of course, because, you know, the options behind them are just um, – they're not – I shouldn't say they're not pretty. It's just there's the drop-off is just, I would yeah. say, you know, pretty big. Um, Nick, now with the deadline coming up, you know, I know you've written this I think once or twice um, for Gotham. You know, you think the Rangers should um, be all in just because you think their window is this year, next
1: year. And next year, year. Yeah.
0: And that might be it just because they have a lot of contracts that they're going to have to either, well, one, a couple of them moved out, but, you know, some of their younger players are going to have to be paid. Um, And that's going to take up a large portion of the salary cap, you know, rightfully so. You pay your best players whatever you want and you figure out the rest later. I know Chris Drury has not done some of that the last couple of offseasons, especially this one with Barkley Goudreau. I have seen your tweets on your timeline just with, uh, you know, We'll maybe get to those a little later, but um, just what do you think the Rangers need during the deadline to, I guess, make a run this year and then next year for their, their window?
1: In, so the Rangers are in a weird position because they've been banking a lot of cap space all year. So the way I've been explaining this to people who are unfamiliar Think of your cap space when you start the season as like minutes and a rollover plan on like a pay as you go cell phone where you get X number of minutes, but they carry over month to month. The Rangers have been banking cap space since opening night. By the time the deadline comes around in about a month from now, the Rangers are going to have $30 million in cap space. Cause they started opening night with $9 million in cap space. And that money just keeps rolling over month to month, month to month. They have $30 million in cap space. Now next year, Zabinijad's contract extension kicks in, Fox's extension kicks in, and that's $17 million right there. You're not going to have a lot of room to play with. You're going to need to give Kako an extension. You're going to need to start planning for Lafreniere, Keandre Miller. Philip needs will need the contract after this year. There's a lot of stuff up in the air right now. With $30 million in cap space and a bundle of assets that you don't know if they're actually good or not, which is something people need to understand, draft picks and prospects are great. But until they start producing at the NHL level, all they are is prospects. They're yep. hopeful. They're lottery tickets. You hope one of them is good, but you don't know until they play. So you have all of these assets, all of this cap space. You don't know how long Artemi Panarin is going to be worth eleven and a half million dollars a year. You don't know how long Zbigniews is going to be worth nine million. You don't know how long Crider's is going to be worth seven. Trooper is going to be worth eight. You just don't know how long. With all of the situational factors, they have everything is set up for them to, they have to go for it this year because there is no guarantee the team will be as good next year. You probably won't get 40 goals from Kreider again. Shesterkin probably goes from a 930 to a 915, 920, which is still good, but it's not best goalie in the league. And all of the environmental factors, the East is going to be a bloodbath this year. That is the one reason I have a little bit of apprehension of going nuts, but in a vacuum, if you told me just, I would like our Terry Lekanen to plug into that bottom six, and he can play up the lineup better than Barkley Goudreau can. And if they move Goodrow down the lineup, he won't be as noticeable. He won't be as much of a problem because playing him with Strom and Panarin doesn't make sense. Lekkinen is at least fast enough. He can get the puck and get it to them. Lekkinen is one. I don't think the Stars are going to trade Joe Pavelski because they're a team that just is content to make the playoffs. But that would be the other guy I would like is Joe Pavelski. Those are the two people I would like I don't want JT Miller because he makes the money complicated for next year. Both of those guys are one-year rentals. They won't cost as much. And the one other guy I would like as the 7th D tweener I was talking about this with Sam Stern the other day, Carson Susie, who plays for the Seattle Kraken. He's not expensive. He's on a one-year deal. He's 6'5", so I know the good Canadian boys will like him. He'll fit in. He's better than what Nemeth has given them. Nemeth is dealing with some, some stuff. I mean, they put him on the COVID list today. He's been dealing with COVID, lingering symptoms of COVID most of the season, which is why he's been so poor. But they do need to address that 7th D, tween tween-year-old guy who can flex in. Because if you make the playoffs and you win around, you're going to lose a defenseman at some point. That's just the price of doing business in the playoffs. They add up a lot of miles. So that's a very long-winded way of saying yes. They need to add at least two forwards because what they have right now is not enough. They cannot be. Yeah. Play, they can't be playing Greg McKegg. They can't be playing Greg McKegg at all. I assume Reeves is staying in no matter what, so that's a lost cause. But they can't be playing Greg McKegg at all, and they can't be playing Goudreau in the top six. They just can't be doing that.
0: Yeah, you know, Greg, Greg, <laughs> Greg, Greg McKegg, man. I mean, that would just be um,
1: a yeah, for, former Penguin, I should say. Former um, everybody. That guy has played for like nine or ten teams in the league.
0: Yeah, him, Carolina – New York, and I should say, yeah, I, I just think there's a whole bunch. Austin, yeah, I I, yeah. I, I think so to be honest. Um, and then yeah, Ryan Reeves, that that was, I know it was a weird trade over the off season, but you know I guess they want to keep him in. Barkley, Goudreau, I mean that contract's not going anywhere, and nope. you know he's he's gonna
1: play no matter what. Um, but I gave him a letter. They gave him a letter purely as a spiteful. F you to everybody who you know actually watches hockey. You watch Barkley Goodrell play. He is constantly out of position and having to skate as hard as humanly possible to get back into the play because he's always trying to throw a hit and takes himself out of the play. Yes, it's easy to see why the hockey men like him. He's not actually good at any of the mechanics of playing hockey, which is a problem <laughs> when you're a professional hockey player.
0: So, yeah, so for those that are following, Nick is not a fan of Barkley Goudreau. He does not like Chris Jury, and he probably thinks he should go to the Goulai here um, yeah. down in the war zone. But, uh, yeah, that, that was a weird contract that they signed. I still don't get it. Um, and, you know, Nick, I mean, that's I think that's just one of my – I guess one of my oh, – what's the word I'm looking for? You know, my concern Longest is just you, yeah. you look yeah. at the bottom six, and, you know, you have, you know, Rooney down there, Reeves – you know, Philip he, he he don't, excuse me, Who he's actually playing pretty good this year. Yeah. I yeah. think, um, uh, Shayna of, um, the athletic the other night had, he was like on the ice for, you know, it was like 11 to two high danger chances for high danger yeah. chances against something like that. Uh, you know, he's actually looking pretty good, but you know, they're, they're two biggest, um, you know, I shouldn't say, not rookies, but they're two biggest young players, Nick, you know, Lafreniere and, uh, Capocacco. Um, I would say it's definitely been more of a struggle for them. I think more so Lafreniere right now, just because um, he might he might be just I guess struggling to fit in or for the NHL level. Um, are you pretty concerned at this point with one or both of them, or do you think you know they're going to turn it around here um, in short order? Because I don't think this is a Jack Hughes situation where he, they're, they're ready to break out. I still think they may need a bit more time. I know you all want to get back to Nick and I talking about the Penguins Rangers matchup but before we do that you know football might be over for the season but basketball is in full steam from both pro and college shoes from all the latest odds, totals, player performance props to where the next fired coach is going to land. BetOnline.net is the number one spot for all of your sports betting needs. BetOnline remains the best spot for all of your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. And it's not just basketball. BetOnline.net is your source for hockey, boxing, and UFC odds, right to the Olympic coverage and information. You can head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. That Bet is BetOnline, where the game starts
1: i am concerned with how the rangers are handling them they both still have the talent you see the flashes of it when they've played lafreniere in the top six and he has actual players to pass the puck to you can see the vision you can see the playmaking ability the biggest problem for both of them right now is they need to improve their skating they are both too slow that's just a flat out it is a problem the rangers haven't addressed it yet and yes the whole not having real off-seasons the last two years is a problem in that development process, but they need to improve both of their statings. I'm not worried about them as individuals. I am worried about the way the team is managing them. Lafreniere has the fewest average time on ice of any first overall pick in the last 20 years, and granted, not every team has a Panarin and a Crider ahead of him on the depth chart, but it is a problem when you draft someone first overall and you're not giving them enough time to develop. Kako got yo-yoed through the lineup for the better part of two and a half seasons. Now, because they have no other options on the right wing, he's getting time in the top six, but he's hurt at the moment dealing with an upper body injury. He's probably going to be out till close to the trade deadline. So it's Mm. pretty barren. The lineup definitely is barren and it, it speaks to the marginal changes and I hate doing the intangibles and the impacts of coaching, but they have a really good record in one goal games this year. Some of that is luck, but they are also playing better in those kinds of situations because they're more emotionally mature. They're more connected. There's a little bit better energy around this team. Last year, they would go down a goal and the game was almost certainly over, whereas this year they've been able to play from behind pretty well. There's a little bit more consistency on a night-to-night basis. They're still not playing great, But they're finding ways to win in a way they wouldn't have under David Quinn. So, Gallant irks me. He's very condescending. He does not give good answers to the media. But he's doing something right managing personalities, which matters for something because that is part of the job of being an NHL coach.
0: Well, I will say he's doing a better job than David Quinn did. And, I mean, it's hard to do a worse job than David Quinn. I mean, we all just saw what happened with Team USA, and I understand that. Uh, You know, those matchups are 50-50s without NHL players, though, I mean, he kind of screwed up by not putting out one of his best shooters in the shootout against Slovakia, and, you know, it cost him. But, you know, it's David Quinn, so I know you're definitely not surprised, and I'm not – I you know, Golan's always been – I mean, I guess a pretty decent coach, but, you know, usually his his teams have better underlying numbers than this. I remember back when he was with Vegas and Florida as well. You know, they had some really good numbers, and I remember at the time when he was fired out of Vegas – it didn't make any sense because it was just really his goaltending was was failing him, and then uh, Peter DeBoer comes in. I mean, gets better goaltending, and oh, what do you know? The team starts winning again. It's almost like sometimes that's the difference, um, yeah, <laughs> in NHL games. But you know, I, I thought at the time it was it was a strong hire, but you know, I, I definitely did not see, you know, I guess, the poor underlying play coming, but. You know, Nick, I I know your team has also been linked in in trades to Ben Sherratt, which would be hilarious um, for just multiple reasons, but um, not not mainly just due to the Rangers, but I think due to a lot of teams willing to pay a first-round pick for him. I was reading Dom's article in The Athletic today, and I'm pretty sure his actual goals rate is 32% this year off of a 41% expected goals rate. That's surely a guy you want to trade a first-round pick for, right? Isn't it NHL GMs? That would just be um, truly hilarious, but um Nick uh before I let you go though do you have like a few keys um for the Rangers winning this matchup and you know what are you looking forward to you know as they you know will play Pittsburgh it'll be this be the first of four meetings um and this could very well be their first playoff series in six years
1: Rangers need to be good in transition it is the Achilles heel of watching them play on a night-to-night basis the Penguins aren't as aggressive as some of the teams the rangers have struggled with like carolina like calgary like florida in their forecheck but if you give the penguins room you let them creep up on your d they slow you up in transition they muck up middle of the ice it becomes frustrating becomes harder to pass against transition would be the thing and the rangers defense has the talent to be good they need to not let the Penguins gain the zone with speed. It's been the problem all year. It's been the problem for like four years. They have guys who are good skaters, but they just don't play well in the neutral zone for whatever reason. And against a team like Pittsburgh that has the high-end talent that you guys do, it's going to be really difficult if you're just letting whoever's carrying the puck gain the zone with speed and get set up. And you're behind the eight ball when the other team gains the zone with possession and everybody's able to get to where they need to on the ice you got to slow it up in the neutral zone, force a dump in. And at least if you get, lose a puck paddle, you made them work a little bit harder than they, you would have if they just gained the zone with speed. That would be the biggest thing for me. Controlling the, middle, controlling the neutral zone, that, that's a very cliche thing to say. That's the key to hockey in general is controlling the neutral zone. But against a team like Pittsburgh that has as much talent as the Penguins do, you can't, you can't let the Penguins pl- set the tempo of the game.
0: Yeah, and I think this is also going to be a little cliche. You know, the Penguins got to get traffic in front of Shisterkin. Um yeah. That's just, that's that's a given. Um, they got to get to the high danger areas of, of, as well. Um, you know, the, the biggest thing I think with Pittsburgh, you know, it's the vibe check, as we like to say. You know, the first five to ten minutes, that will really go a long way to seeing how the team is going to play. You know, if they start out red hot, 90% of the time, or right around there, it's like 80, 85, um, they're, Going to come out on the right side of things, but you know, I'm also curious to see how they handle the Rangers power play. The Penguins penalty kill is top three in the league this year. They've been really good at kind of just you know, they do like it's almost like a little like square right in the slot areas, you know, two down low, mm-hmm. two a little up high, and they're taking away all of that, just those high danger areas, and they're making teams just beat you from the perimeter. So, I'm curious mm-hmm. to see if the Rangers. Um, can you know sneak a, a player into the into the, into that box and get a couple of scoring chances on that? But um, I'm excited, man. It's about time these two teams play. Um, this has the potential to again, you know, be a playoff series. At the end, at the end of the day, these teams haven't played in a bit, um, and I think you know it, it would be a lot of fun just because of how much star talent is going to be on that. But uh, Nick, uh, tell
1: all the listeners where they can follow you and all your work and all that stuff. So you can follow me on Twitter. My handle's just my name, Nick Zararis, Z-A-R-A-R-I-S. I I do the Upper Bowl GM podcast daily. I've had a lot of guests the last two weeks. Been doing check-ins with pretty much every team around the league. Hunter is going to come on at some point when I'm back from vacation, and he's going to talk about the Penguins on my show. Did the Leafs yesterday. Did Vegas the other day. We've done Carolina, Florida, Tampa. We're making our way around the league. Checked in on Calgary. Just... So you have a flavor of where every team is at come the trade deadline, get an idea of who's actually going to be good come playoff time. And my goal on the show is to give you a show without an agenda. I just want to see as many good teams as possible in hockey. That makes it a better experience as a viewer, as a fan. That's all I want. And I write for Gotham Sports Network. I had a blog go up today. Wrote about why everybody running to pile on Matt Harvey should kind of take a deep breath, show a little bit of compassion, and why baseball needs to do better by its players. So, yeah, you can read me on Gotham SN, you can listen to the pod, Upper Bowl GM, all the major podcasting platforms, and the Twitter handle, where I spend way too many hours of my death. <laughs> well, Nick definitely makes um, one of us,
0: as they say, was we're both on Twitter, um so much and yes i look forward to going on your show please go follow him on twitter go check out his podcast he is one of, also one of the daily grinders as well we, we gotta all support our content creators out here you know it's uh it's it's, it's 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 the time of year to always do it so yep. um, thank you all so much for listening to this one we'll see how the penguins and rangers um play coming up and i'll talk to you all uh coming up soon